And then I, I, I didn't like university, right? To put it shortly. It was I too boring for you? Um, I mean, even back then when I was not very financially savvy. Uh, so I, I didn't read any books, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that sparked me. Uh, but I, I, even back then I knew that it's, it felt like a bad investment. Oh, okay. The degree. Mm-hmm. But of course, and of course I had thoughts of uh, quitting uni. Ah. Um, and especially, you know, in my kind of degree, it's not required. What like were you doing back then? International I mean, business. Right? I see, I see. Ba- basically, I mean, no, no one cares. Uh, put it that way. No one cares about the okay. degree. I mean, um, sorry to anyone with international business degrees. It's not that you are useless. It's just, in my humble opinion, that, you know, that 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 field. I, I don't know why that, that field even exists. So probably is... Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six-Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www.com firl.co slash f-r-e-e or www.firo.co slash free. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the very first Firo podcast, you know, Woo-hoo. the best place for long-term stock investors. So, um, you know, I've listened to many podcasts and as great as some of them might be, sometimes they take too long. Yep. To get started on the podcast, I'm looking at you, Yamcha Sessions, right? <laughs> so I'm going to go straight into what this podcast is going to be about. Okay. And really it's about our story, right? How did we get started investing? So don't worry. We're not going to talk about our life story, like yeah. our dating history or lack thereof. Grandmother, grandfather story. No. Yeah. Who our moms are, what our family. No, <laughs> we're not going to go there. But we are going to talk about how or the conditions that led up to us deciding to start investing. That part of our story, not the whole story. Yep. Right? Then we're going to go into why we pick value investing as our preferred method of investing, right? When there's so many other options out there. Yeah. And then third, we're going to share with you some of the surprises and the myths, quite frankly, that we have never thought of before we started. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. So... John, you want to start off? Why, why you got, how do you get acquainted to investing? What do you think of it when you were a young chap? Mm-hmm. What um, prompted you, you know? I guess I, I, I will start off with a very chance encounter with someone giving me or introducing me. She, she didn't give me the book. Uh, God knows, I, I can't even remember her name. Yeah. Uh, she was my senior in, uh, in, in UTM. Okay. So she gave me a recommendation of a book, which was uh, Kiyosaki's book, Robert Kiyosaki, okay. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think I was 19. And what that really opened up was my understanding of how, in a way, financial the financial world works. Mm-hmm. And understanding that by the, 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 the myths that a lot of people have about having a good job uh, having a good education actually brings you financial success. And I think that that was the first stepping stone 
to me changing my mindset. What happened after that was um, I, I tried to learn anything and everything I could about investing. Okay. And along the way, um, when I first started working, uh, I burned through 25,000 ringgit. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it was my first year. Yeah, it was my first year into working. Um, I was encouraged by a, a colleague of mine to open a brokerage account. Was that all your savings? Uh, yeah, literally wiped out everything I had. And uh, what was worse was that I I was starting to buy into properties as well. Okay. So we'll talk about that probably in a, a, another podcast about our mistakes. But yeah. yeah, I was virtually dabbling into unit trust, uh, learning about commodities, learning about trading and all right. that kind of thing. But I got really greedy mm-hmm. and I burned through 25,000 ringgit. How did that uh, happen? And did you did you tell your wife? Uh, nope. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> unless you watch this podcast, she won't. Yeah, she unless you watch this podcast, uh, she okay. knows I lost money, but I don't think she knows about the amount and the magnitude yeah. of it. So my colleague even joked, you know, um, uh, you just burn away your your baby's uh, milk formula money, you know. So yeah, man. Yeah, twenty five k. There's imagine if you took that money, invested it in Dutch Lady. Oh yeah, man. Milk Dutch, formula. Dutch Lady was, I think, about nineteen bucks then. So it'd be about more than double now. Yeah. So the twenty five thousand be about sixty thousand. Yeah, that's right. Thousand something. Yeah, like that's that. right. Okay. Yeah. So after burning through this, I um, another chance encounter. I mean, I think uh, I wouldn't call it divine intervention, but probably just mm-hmm. guys paying it forward in their lives and I've truly benefited and uh, a lot of gratitude to these guys. So th- there was this lawyer I played uh, badminton with regularly mm-hmm. every week and he somehow chanced upon me looking at some stock prices All right. in the supermarket. And he said, John, are you investor? I said, yeah. And he says, are you a value investor? And be- be- before that, what? Why were you looking at stock prices in a supermarket? I thought you were supposed to be buying stuff. Oh yeah, I was waiting for my wife while she oh, was okay, shopping. Right. Okay, good. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, understandable. So, yeah, <laughs> you need to you need to kill your mind out of boredom, right? Of course, of course. Yeah. So he he just said that. Oh, are you a value investor? And I said, I don't know what's that. And he said, Have you heard of Warren Buffett? I said, Yeah. Uh, have you heard of Peter Lynch? I said, No. And that's where he the conversation led to a longer conversation because he invited me over to his office the next day. And that's where he introduced me concepts of value investing. And, mm. and he gave me uh, um, titles of books to read on value investing. And to tell the truth, that was the fire that lit it for me because here right. I was, uh, having tried some kind of a technical analysis, I, I couldn't understand. My friend gave me a book on Japanese candlesticks. Ichimoku. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hmm, I'm an engineer. I think I should be able to figure out this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, nope, nope. And the uh, probability of success was, um, is almost like a toss of a coin. Uh. Wait, when you lost that 25,000, were you like um, looking at a screen every day? Yeah, I was hooked to it because I was going, I was virtually day trading. Wow. So I would buy, I, I, I even remember some of the counters I make money on and some of the counters I lost money on. So one of the hot ones was this thing called K&M in the, okay. in the heydays, right? I bought it at three. Right. And I probably exited at 30 cents, somewhere there. Okay. Uh, Axiata was, uh, I think, a counter I made money on. So I, I went in at like, what, 37 cents? 
mm-hmm. and then exited at 45 cents. But you, you, I was literally glued to the screen. You know, every time uh, outside of a meeting, I would like I'll just log on to my trading screen and then try to figure out, you know, I, I, I don't know what kind of, <laughs> probably was naive, not knowing okay. what I was doing, thinking that when I look at the screen, I could have some control on the price. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's the same kind of mentality. Yeah. I know it, it, it might seem a bit weird to compare, but the way I would compare it, it would be like, you know, when people play cards, especially if you're Chinese, <laughs> and then you choose the right card. Yeah. And then you, you pray, 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 and then you open it slowly because yeah. that's going to correct, right? Obviously. Correct. And uh, yeah, I think it's the same it's kind of the mindset. Same. And, then, and then they hold it out slowly and then they try to like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, ace, ace, ace. ace, you ace. Know? Yeah, uh, yeah. But then, you know. Yeah. Okay. So... He, uh, uh, this guy's name. He's a lawyer. Uh, his name is Thompson. Mm. Uh, if he's listening to this, so wait, this is after you really lost the twenty five. This is right? after I lost, oh, okay. right? And um, yeah, he he just told me about all these concepts, and thank God I was a ferocious reader. I just mm-hmm. started researching, reading, and I realized right another roadblock hit me was after all reading all these books and concepts, right? I couldn't really put theory into action. Right. It's concepts, but then I needed uh, guidance or some kind of a structure to tell me, hey, this concept literally means this is how you apply it. And right. I think I think that's where uh, I'm a believer that even though you're a ferocious reader and you can put, you, you're an actionable person, right? I, I, I always think that you can shortcut, not shortcut, shorten your learning curve by having someone to guide you. And I think I've I've benefited a lot from from guidance or and that's and beginning with Mr. Thompson uh. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Right. Because you can read as much as you want. You can try to mimic all these uh, formulas. You know, like for example, uh, there were examples in the book about forward PE, right? About returns on uh, invested capital, returns on equity, and all that. Right. You can put it into an Excel sheet, but you don't really know how to make sense out of it. I don't know whether I'm I'm, I'm yeah yeah so. That kind of guidance actually uh, really helped shorten my learning curve, lah. Yeah, some kind right. of structure. Yeah, yeah. What about you, MJ? What, what yeah, yeah. How so, do you get into m- investing? So for me, it's um, the year is twenty fifteen. Right? Okay. So I am about at five that years point ago. of time, a year and a half, about a year, less than a year into uh, my university mm-hmm. um, degree. Okay. And then I, I, I didn't like university, right? To put it shortly. It was I too think boring it's, for you. Um, I mean, even back then when I was not very financially savvy. Uh, so I, I didn't read any books, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that sparked me. Uh, but I, I even back then I knew that it's, it felt like a bad investment. Oh, okay. The degree. Mm-hmm. But of course, and of course I had thoughts of uh, quitting uni. Ah. Um, and especially, you know, in my kind of degree, it's not required what like were you doing back then? International I mean, business. Right? I see, I see. Ba- basically, I mean, no, no one cares. Uh, put it that way. No one cares about the okay. degree. I mean, um, sorry to anyone with international business degrees. It's not that you are useless. It's just, in my humble opinion, that, you know, that 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 feel, I, I don't know why that, that feel even exists. Right? Probably is to rhyme with IBM, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, it's IB. IB, ma. Investment banking. <laughs> yeah. So that's why international. Yeah, so anyway, I, I thought, you know, what what am I doing here? The things I'm learning, I can get, 
you know, online and, mm. you know, people online can explain it a lot better. Mm. And it was really weird because, and, you know, no no offense to my old marketing lecturer. Um, she had never done marketing before. Uh-huh. Right? She, she, she's, she's, she had only done lecturing on marketing. She's been in the academic uh, sphere all her yeah. life. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that if you're a math professor, right? Because, mm. you know, math is by and large a cerebral activity, meaning, you know, you just use your mind. Yeah. You got a piece of paper, you can do math already. That's right? right, that's right. You can do that with marketing. Yeah. You need practical experience. Yeah. So I thought, why am I here? Mm. Right. But then I knew that um, if I'm going to quit, what am I going to do? I got to be interested in something. A lot of the things that I was interested in, like, for example, uh, politics, philosophy, mm. and mm. even economics, um, you, you know, many of you listeners might be surprised that economics is not a very uh, useful degree. <laughs> I, I, I think the perception about economics of being useful is that there is a Nobel Prize attached to it. And I think that that's, yeah. that's the perception that is uh, actually, oh, if you're economics, you 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 would know how to make money, you would understand fiscal policies and all that kind of thing. But No, you see, that even if you do know fiscal policies, yeah. So what? Yeah, there's only two. There's only three options for you, really, if you understand fiscal policy. And for those of you who don't know, fiscal policy is just how a country spends its tax dollars. Mm-hmm. What job do you have? One, become a lecturer again, which <laughs> is not a bad thing. Yeah, in a way, right? but it's not in the private market. Yeah. Number two, if it was private, probably in some sort of think tank. Mm. Right? That's right. And all the the ones that are good are not in Malaysia. Malaysia right? yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, not that the think tanks in Malaysia are bad, obviously, but you don't get the same kind of prestige. Uh, or you become the finance minister. Oh, yeah. What about banks? I thought economy is highest banks. Maybe as uh, an bank, advisor. Banks highest economy, but, sorry. But for a bank to hire you as an advisor, I think there are only two conditions where they will even consider. Mm. Uh, one is you are a very old guy. Ah, very senior, very yeah, experienced. Yeah, which, you know, as you know, if you've got white hair, you automatically you're smart, right? <laughs> um, or number two, you, you know, you know, you have the contacts. Mm, right? That's people, right. People know your dad. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt this podcast. I know it's a little bit annoying, but I want to tell you something that I think can be really helpful to you. I can tell you're really interested in the stock market and want to learn more about it so that you actually know what you're doing especially when today things are getting more complex and complicated. That's why we came up with the Stock Investing Blueprint or SIB. It's our signature e-learning program that teaches you how to pick the right stocks most of the time, buy and sell it at the best possible time and manage your stock portfolio systematically. It currently has more than 10 hours of content and it's growing you also be part of a group of like-minded investors that can help speed up your learning process. To hop on the program, click on the link in the description or go to learn.viral.co slash courses slash SIB. So, what, like, is it intellectually stimulating economics? Yes, but you see, that's the thing. I can get a lot of that info. In fact, I learned more through online videos. Yeah, PragerU, for example. Yeah, I watch uh, PragerU. You know, it's a pretty good. I mean, it's, it's slightly, it's slightly a politically conservative YouTube channel, but that's where I learned a lot of uh, about economics. Yeah. I can read books like 
uh, economics in one lesson by Henry Hazlitt, Hazlitt which yeah. in my point of view should be the de facto textbook for economics. I, I have to agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I mean a lot, you know, Thomas Sowell and all these guys, you, can, you guys can go read it yourself. But so the things I was interested in was not things that was uh, monetizable. Mm. I knew they had value because I mean, not only are they stimulating, very smart people write about it. That's right. Very accomplished people write about it. You think of, you know, philosophers, political scientists, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But again, especially in Malaysia, uh-huh. it's already not, um, not, not, not even, no. When I said, hey, I wanted, I was interested in doing PPE. Have you heard this thing called PPE? No, not not uh, the not property plant plant yeah, equipment. equipment yeah. Not not your protective equipment for actually PPE. Uh, I know a very famous guy who does this. Is actually Kyrie Jamaludin. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. KJ. Yeah. He did PPE yeah. in Oxford. Yeah. So yeah. if you do that kind of degree, then you can be that kind of uh, person. Uh, but you know, it's you know literally one in thirty million uh, in Malaysia's case, right? Or thirty six million now. So, uh. So I was in a conundrum, right? I, I knew I had the ability to understand all this pretty complex stuff, yet it's not monetizable. Mm. So again, uh, I'm going to repeat, right? Complicated, but not monetizable. <laughs> so my challenge was to find something complicated and monetizable. Mm. And that's where I actually watched a video online mm-hmm. about this guy called Peter Schiff. Peter Schiff. Okay. So Peter Schiff, if you all don't know, S C H I F F. I don't really follow him now, really, but this guy is uh, talks a lot about economics, talks a lot about investments, especially when it comes to precious metals like gold. Okay, commodities. Okay. And he talked a lot about interest rates. Mm. So that was when I was like, oh, that's something up my alley, and I I learned about it. Mm. So I so was watching a lot of his videos, consuming it, because it's like I struck gold, right? Mm. Then this time I struck diamonds. Ah. Right beside there was a video uh-huh. by this guy called Preston Pish. Oh yes, one of my favorite channels to follow. P R E S T O N P Y S H. Yeah, what's what's his channels called today? It's called Preston Pish, I believe today. Yeah. but he runs a podcast called the Investors, Investors Podcast. Podcast, it's a really good podcast. You guys can check it out. Yeah, and back in the day he didn't have a podcast mm. what he did was a series of videos yeah. that was recently posted at that point that was recently posted right less than a year ago um called buffett books yeah and he would explain about value investing the warren buffett style value investing mm-hmm. over i think 40 videos so he talked wow. about bonds uh, p ratios discounted cash flows and all that yeah and that was how i began i see that was when i was like that's where you you found your love spark, your your love life. And from then on, it was um, I didn't really need to understand why I needed to invest because mm. I knew that uh, at the end of the day I needed to make money in some capacity. Mm. I always knew that, right? Yeah. But that that was the the thing that gave me those videos gave me that beginning. I see that that spark lah in a way. Yeah, that spark. So so interesting that you brought this up about the need to invest. It was yeah. Um, at that point, you were probably still living, still living your parents, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Early twenties, about twenty years old. Yeah. Twenty year, yeah. But at the same time, you wanted some kind of a mental challenge. That's right, yeah. At the same time, you wanted, you wanted it to be practical. That's right. Yeah, but do you think that differs from a lot of other people? Because f- people that I talk to, yeah, 
most of the time they are they have a responsibility on their shoulder to somewhat make money, and they see investing as somewhat as a means to an end. If you yeah. get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where it, it it's slightly skewed to um people don't really want to put in that work and effort because yeah. it is not actually a passion for them. It's they yeah. see it as a means to an end. Slightly different from both. Yeah, of them. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and I I think that's where we understand that some people just want it plain and simple. Yeah. We also understand that some people want to have that kind of mental uh, challenge or, 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 or the thrill of understanding business, the thrill of um, mm. understanding how capital allocators mm. actually uh, can leverage on time, money, resources yeah. to actually create wealth. I, you know, I think that that is true. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a person, and, and maybe I've not even shared with you in, in private before, I wouldn't say that I'm a person that really respected money when I when I was growing up. Mm. Meaning, I wouldn't say I saw it as an evil, but I saw it as an annoyance, kind of like, especially when you're young and younger mm-hmm. and idealistic. Yeah, you, you know, people who are more idealistic tend to look at money with, you know... Uh, disrespect and disdain. Is this a switch? Is this a black, white kind of thing? Yeah, they feel like money is in the way. Yeah. And that's what I felt, right? And until I realized that why money existed and Mm. why it has to be the way it is, then I realized, hey, um, whether I enjoyed it or not, and to be honest, again, it might surprise you that I didn't really talk about money before age 20. Yeah. Didn't, better me so mm. I, I i a lot of stories i hear of investors on that it's, it's very typical now just because it's typical doesn't mean it's bad it just means that it, it goes something like um they like money yep right and so that hunger yes drove them to learn about money whether they liked it or not yes. and then they ended up liking it because they were good at it correct so i, I didn't have that path right mm. fortunately mm. or unfortunately depending on how you look at it yeah yeah so that that wasn't really an issue but i do think that once I understood the role of money and why it's important to invest, save money and all that, that I forced myself to learn a little bit more about it. I see. Because I, I come, I've come to realize that then when you learn about money, mm. it's almost like, uh, when you learn the basics and the principles, it's almost like a superpower. Yeah, where, exactly. You know, when I was younger, I couldn't really strike a conversation with just anyone really nearly. Mm-hmm. But now because I understand money, you're not saying I'm a good conversationalist, but if I were to strike up something about uh, with someone, yeah. uh, you know, money would be a, a default and everyone understands that language. Everyone right? will somehow yeah. find there is a commonality. To yeah, even a communist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, even a communist <laughs> will say, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, I hate money, but yeah, we can talk about money. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it leads me to a point I want to share as well about I couldn't figure out uh, the relationship that money had with people mm. because yeah. I, I remember the story I told you about why uh, I had a neighbor mm-hmm. and he only had like probably uh, form three form yeah, yeah 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 and I remember the story it's a really good story yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. he was uh, he was selling Electrolux. Uh, vacuum cleaners back in the day you know there's no such thing as Lazada or Shopee you know you virtually sell vacuum cleaner door to door you start knocking right and I couldn't phantom because here I was looking at my dad taking up night school classes studying up like mad just to get a university degree and all he got 
was a measly salary for a teacher. Now, no pun intended, teachers, I, I have the most respect of teachers. Yeah, I yeah. think they're really underpaid, overworked, uh, a bunch of people. But I couldn't fathom that equation, if you mm. get what I mean, MJ. Mm. It's like, here, here you have someone who was not academic, academically inclined and yet could understand money better yeah. than my parents. Yeah. And I think out of that curiosity, I also had this, this perception that people uh, uh, to, to, to be order in order for you to be successful money money wise or material wise you had to somewhat be cunning I think the mm. word you need to cheat yeah if you have money you, you're a cheater yeah you're a cheater that, that, so that, that's the belief it's this unspoken belief maybe mm. it's because of um, probably either upbringing or friends around you that you know money is evil money it's is a form of resentment really yeah, because it, yeah, yeah I think it's a, it's a fair fair statement to make yeah. a form of resentment and somehow that bias actually forms. Right. Where I got really interested was that, oh, okay, the equation of studying well, uh, getting a good job and all that did not really equate to financial success. Mm. Really intrigued me. Yeah. And what, re- I mean, uh, 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 as some of the listeners might know, and probably if for you, for those who don't, I'm actually, I, I'm really interested in technology. That's mm. why I chose the path of being an engineer. Yeah. But where I really fell in love with investing was that technology on its own without commercial viability mm. does not make sense. It, I, it's a very similar story to my point about idealism, right? Just yes. mine was from the perspective of politics. Yours was the um, uh, politics of philosophy. Yeah. Yours is the perspective of tech. That's right. That's right. I mean, you could have the best tech in the world, but there's no user. Yeah. <laughs> What's the point? Who, no, no one's going to buy your product uh, or, or you can't be produced cheap enough and all that. And, I'm trying to link it back to our story about investing. Yeah. And why we love investing is because we may come from an angle where understanding about money gives you some sort of a power or leverage, mm, right? Mm. But more importantly, we really un- we really love the mental challenge of it. Oh yeah. And um, because if you think of it, investing it's a plethora of different fields. Yes. Psychology, economics. Uh, human behavior. It's a liberal art. It's a liberal art. And and at the same time, it's something that is monetizable. Pays a ton. Yeah. And if you do it well, and I don't know whether it surprises, uh, I think both of us are not surprised at all, but if you, if you go to banks or even some of the uh, investment houses or fund managers, right, they love hiring technical people. Why? It's because there is a certain methodology in which they think and, they, mm. and, and it's all related in a way. I'm not yeah. saying that a technic- technicality gives you an edge, but there is a similar pattern to it for understanding investing. So, yeah, maybe I would ask this question now, MJ. After you got hooked yeah, and after you, you made that switch over that you felt that investing was something for you, what were the resources that you think were available to you? They made it easy for you to pick pick this up in a way. YouTube. YouTube, Number right? Number one, YouTube. Uh, I didn't have a lot of people mm. and, and and that's really the next segment, uh, yeah. the se- next section of my story. Yeah. But really just YouTube and books, right? You can mm. get off Kindle, you can read, you can highlight, yeah. and you can learn. Then yeah. maybe you can, you know, go on forums and then comment mm. or read comments and then you learn from there. Mm. But I did feel that that was... Um, only one part. It, it felt just a t- 
theoretical, there's no practical aspect, especially mm. if you're living uh, in Malaysia. Yeah. Right? You don't get too many, too much online content like we do today. That's right. For Malaysian stocks or stock investing. Yeah. And so that's where I joined uh, my first company, right? Yeah. Tracker. That's right. And that's where I met you. Yeah. And that gave me, um, you know, a good platform to meet people like yourself and all the other people, all the investors, the CEOs, the AGMs and all that to kickstart the practical side of investing. And that was when I felt, oh, you know, that's where the confidence to take action came in. Really took off. Okay. Great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, the struggle for a lot of investors is that it's a very lonely journey. Absolutely, yeah. And and in a way, I would say that uh, the resources were much more, much more, more abundant today. Of course. As of course. compared to my... I, during my time... Uh, I don't think YouTube existed when I first started. When did YouTube start? Uh, uh I think it's two thousand and five, two thousand six. Okay, so yeah, I can actually search it up. Yeah, keep, could, keep talking. Yeah, I'll because I remember when I first started learning about value investing, which yeah. is uh, my career started in two thousand six. I, I I relied a lot on blogs and books. That's it. I did okay. not really have video resources. Probably I did not know how to use it. No one showed mm-hmm. sh- showed that to me, and I I was completely blinded by the resources of YouTube. Probably at that time, and probably even when it started, I don't think they were in abundance. Maybe yeah, and you know when YouTube started, um, it was just just a bunch of people having fun. Yeah, you know, making funny recordings of themselves. They also didn't know what it could become. It could blossom into today. today, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So next. Once oh, by the way, the yeah. first YouTube video was posted. It's about a zoo, 19 seconds long. Okay. And it's uh, 15 years ago. 15, so that's 2005. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess now we can talk about, um, so that's how we got into investing. That's how we realized the importance of investing and yeah. things like that. Um, but, okay, yeah, now, now it's investing. So why is it that we chose stocks and value investing? And of course, I think we need another podcast to explain everything. That's right. But in a nutshell, why value investing? Great question. Um, I have to give some context before I sure. answer that question. Yeah. Um, so remember earlier I said that I was just dabbling into almost everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's called a Rojak portfolio. Yeah, it's a Rojak portfolio. Mm-hmm. I actually started into properties investing almost at the same time. Okay. And the reason why I was attracted to it was uh, a few of my colleagues were into it. And actually, I made the first financial mistakes. I think we will cover that yeah. into another podcast. Like it's a long, long one. But literally, I, I I bought into a house that was bigger than I could afford. Yeah. Okay. And to dig myself out of that mistake, I, I spoke to a few friends, and one of them actually suggested I refinance my house. Now, don't don't go, don't rush out for the, for those listeners. Don't rush out and do the same thing I did. What's refinancing, John? So, what I did was I took a loan of a certain amount. Let's say X amount. And because the property value after a few years yeah. probably increased, right? Mm, mm. Let's just say I took a loan of uh, 400000 and the property value was at 500000 If the property value went up to 600000 and you're entitled to take a 90% loan, now you can take a loan of uh, uh, 500000 So that difference, the delta, is actually the refinance amount that the bank will actually give you in cash. Mm. And that was what I used to actually start off my stock portfolio. So you borrowed to invest. Yeah, I borrowed to invest. And um, my advice to a lot of people is that please don't do that unless you know what you're doing. 
Yeah, I, and this is the thing I think Buffett said quite a bit. Warren Buffett he said that if you are smart, you don't need to, to borrow. borrow. That's right. If you're stupid, you definitely don't need to borrow. <laughs> yeah, so because of property and at, at one point I had four properties. Okay. And I'm synthesizing the story yeah. here so that I can come back to stocks is that I realized I was very lucky because I had consistent cash flow through my salary. Mm. I mean, in oil and gas, I was paid okay, decent. But then again, there was a cash flow crunch. In a sense, my strategy was to buy under construction properties and flip them upon completion. Mm. And after the third property, you cannot secure a ninety percent loan. You have to, you have to, you can only secure a seventy percent loan. Back, so back then, back I believe then. now it has relaxed a bit, right? Yeah. So I was really literally having cash flow problems, mm-hmm. and when I, in parallel, was doing uh, stocks investing, I realized that because all of these investments, if you do it on a cash upfront basis, money that you don't need, you actually have the leeway of patience. Mm. You're not you're not uh, coerced into either liquidating the property or liquidating any of your investments at a desperate time when you don't have cash flow. The second thing is that the realization that in properties when you have an exit plan, it's you you can't exit in portions. It's a very slow exit. Yeah, it's a very slow exit. Even even when there was a ready buyer for my my last property that I sold, right? Yeah. End to end transaction took me about six to eight months. Before I could even touch the money. You know what, John? At least it's not as bad as a divorce. La. <laughs> Consolation. That's right. That's right. And, and more and more, you know, so I dabbled into property investing. I dabbled into unit trust. I dabbled. Uh, there was one time I actually bought gold, paper gold, but very small portions, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just to try it out. And I felt that the characteristics of uh, stocks was, for me, tremendous. Uh, I, I, it's fantastic. Businesses are so dynamic. Um, you learn about different technologies, different platforms, different business strategies, different business models, and and all this divisibility, all this exit strategy was was something that was more and more my cup of tea, mm-hmm. And therefore, I completely exited my pro- properties investment and fully went into stock. What about you? Well, for me, it was relatively easy. Um, I had the privilege mm-hmm. of so I'm a bit of a rebel. Mm-hmm. So when I look at my uncles, my dad, and all that, every time they talk about investments, mm-hmm. it's always, I would say 100% of the time, but like 90. 80%, 89% of the time, it's uh, properties. Mm. So of course, like the good son that I am, uh, good boy that I am, uh, whatever the older ones do, I'd want to do. <laughs> yeah, I'd want to do. So I... Anti, anti. Yeah, anti. yeah. So... um. But and it's not a joke, right? That that was really a part of the motivation. But adding to that, what appealed me about stocks and eventually value investing was that all the others did not satisfy the curiosity or mm. the intellectual stimulation that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. And for let's say properties, we and you know, we keep talking about properties because it is it is the, the most fav- commerce the yeah, in, in Malaysia. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, um, 75% of the typical Malaysian's wealth is in their house. Yeah. 
Um, this is in stark contrast to let's say in in Europe or US where it's actually the other way around. Yeah. It's about twenty five percent. Correct. And then the remaining seventy five percent is in what we call financial assets. Yes. Which is basically stocks. Stocks. More uh, money market. Yeah. yeah. More liquid kind of assets. So I just felt like properties is. I mean, you guys know, right? You know, you know uh, gate behind the the, 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 the PC. Uh, you know, you asked me to set up this podcast studio, right? It's really. I, I basically I don't contribute lah, right? Uh, for good reason, <laughs> because I contribute more by not doing. <laughs> so can you imagine if I have complications uh, with uh, a camera and lighting? Imagine a house. Yeah. Like my goodness, and then people can tell me, hey, you know, you can. Forty houses. I'm like what? Hey, <laughs> 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 yeah. but I know people who are passionate about it. I mean, they they yeah. love that kind of investing. Because they like to see the physical formation of a house in yeah. the sense that they love the dirty work of interior design. They sure. love that they have a concept that comes sure. to life. And yeah, and by all means, please. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, that is a very good point because yeah. um, a lot of successful store investors, right, they will actually tell you that you have to move beyond stocks to get some sort of gratification. Correct. Like because. Stocks, if you're, especially if you're good, mm-hmm. right? Stock investing, if you're a good stock investor, right? you want to know whether you're a good stock investor? You just ask yourself how boring it is. <laughs> yes, The more that's boring right. it is, yeah. the better you become. That's right. So, uh, so because it's very boring, it's very uninspiring because you're just trading, essentially you're trading a piece of paper Correct. on the screen yeah. and then you make money. Oh, 50% today, 15% then. Yeah. You don't get that emotional component like you do with property. So that is actually a downside, uh, the only downside to stocks. But of course, every other aspects, um, stocks are better like in, my, in my view. Yeah. And and for me, it's like it just suited me because hey, you can just make money by sitting down. Yeah. Right? Less interaction with people, less argument. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine properties if, if you're an introverted person, right? Yeah, yeah. And then your tenant kicks up a fuss. Uh. You, I, I guess knowing you, uh, MJ, yeah, you would rather avoid a confrontation. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a. Uh, it is a. Uh, it is a solo game, yeah. yeah. And, and for me, in terms of confrontation, yeah. it's not so much because I want to avoid a ruckus. Yeah. It's more that, is it I know whatever reasoning or counter arguments I'm going to provide is not going to be accepted anyway. Yeah. So I just like, you stop wasting my time. Correct. You just Correct. do whatever I want to do. Yeah. And so that's, that's really what stocks is. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, of course, this is not to be confused with, let's say, fund management, which in and of itself is another... Oh. Yeah. An- it's another stocks. Yes, it's stocks. It's stocks. But it, you have to deal with a lot of people, right? So Correct. it's better to be an individual investor. So that's for stocks, but why value investing, right? So mm. for me, um, value investing was the way to go because it was what worked. Mm-hmm. Um, for the longest time, mm. and I did re- I read a a part about Jack Swagger's book. Oh, Jack uh, Swagger's. I think Market Wizards. Yeah, market trading, market trading, something. Yes, like that. that's right. And he said something very interesting, which was the reason value investing work has worked for so long is because it doesn't work all the time. Mm. Ah, okay, so here's why it is. You see, here here's the thing, right? If you have a strategy uh-huh. that works all the time, and by all the time I mean decades. Okay. What happens is that people will flock to that strategy. Ah. Right. So so let's say um uh value investing f- just to give a hypothetical example, let's say it's about buying low P stocks. Mm. So what actually ends up happening? Let's say everyone started doing value investing. 
and they buy low PE stocks, the PE won't be low. Yeah, because it, everyone's rushing for the same. Yeah, the price will go up. <laughs> so then your what we call your alpha or your age ev- evaporates. Yes. So what's unique about value investing is that um, you are buying companies that are either unpopular or you have a view of the stock that is unpopular. That's right. Or more unpopular, more mm. contrarian. That's right. So what that means is that you will look like a fool mm-hmm. for the short term. For the short term. And who wants to look like a fool? Nobody wants to look like no a fool. No one wants to look like a fool, right? Yeah. So what happens? People start pulling away from that strategy. That's right. And so it becomes less crowded. Yeah. And so you go in, you're early. Yeah. And so then when your strategy works for whatever reason, whatever catalyst you know comes about, then suddenly people start coming in. And so the cycle uh, repeats. That's why it keeps surviving. That's, That's why right. a lot of um, you know quantitative strategies means mm-hmm. like you know, those computer use use computers, uh, uh, algorithms, algorithms, they actually end up not working very quickly because what happens is that they have certain criteria. Yes. And then some other algo elsewhere will pick up and then boom, then it evaporates. Yeah. And and whenever there's too much demand for it, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly when uh contrarians actually don't yeah. actually work. Because yeah. because it's when when everyone's flocking to the can you imagine it's like a honeypot. And a lot of bees are actually running yep. uh, death, darf of honey. And mm. suddenly there's a honey pot that comes, right? Can you imagine 20 hives actually try to... Yeah, yeah. That's and, it. And I would add for value investing, why it's so... Uh, why it is a form of superpowers because the ultimate age I feel, and I only have for like five years of investing experience, but ultimate age is that you must rely on patience, which mm. everybody can. Can. It can be trained. If you build an algorithm, let's say through a computer, only really smart, high IQ people can do it. Yeah. But patience is available to everybody. That's right. But of course, not everyone will do it because then that is a question of emotional uh, Control, IQ. yeah. But you at least have access to that. If you are 100 IQ, you're never going to solve a complex math problem. Yeah. You, you can't, right? Because you're, you're just that. It's beyond your capabilities. Yeah, you're just born with those uh, genetics, unfortunately, yeah. right? Yeah. But that's what I think is great because you once you are patient, you, you can do this thing called uh, time arbitrage. Meaning, right, when you invest in a stock, you're not just looking the typical three months or three weeks or three days, right? Yeah. You're looking three years. Yeah. And nobody is looking three years in advance. So you, you're making decisions based on what something will happen in three years mm. versus the guy who's like three days or three months. That's right. So that's a huge advantage. The time horizon is a huge advantage. Huge, huge. And actually related to that, a lot of, I think, investing or, or even more so value investing uh, mm. is a field where IQ really doesn't make a difference. Uh, I would have a slight adjustment there. It matters until a certain point. Certain point, that's right. Yeah. More, more weightage is actually given yeah. to emotional control rather, yeah. rather than IQ. Correct, correct. I'm not saying that if you have an IQ of 10, you can be successful. Of course, if you cannot, if you do not answer the 2 plus 2, then you shouldn't be the stock investor. Correct. Like. At least mental uh, arithmetic, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, but the point I'm trying to yes, make yes. is that the weightage of IQ or qualifications doesn't really matter for you it's to be not successful. not as much as people think. Yeah. And I think that's a myth that I wanted to <clears throat> also share in, in, in terms of my love for value investing. Mm. Because name me one field, especially a, a technically challenging field, yeah. where people can actually learn the trick, the tricks of the trade if they have the right discipline and the right emotional control and be successful at it, regardless of their background. I think you're one example. Mm-hmm. I'm another example. I never came from a financially yeah. trained 
So <clears throat> picking up accounts, picking up uh, uh, reading financial statements, it's not something that it's too much of a rocket science for someone. Yeah. And ironically, even if you're not too good at it, but you have emotional control, you can attain certain levels of success investing. And, and if you have a basic proven process. That's right. You know, we should talk a lot about it in our one-on-one coaching program. Correct. But essentially, you need that process Correct. to... A step-by-step methodology. Yeah, so that you, 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 you repeat. It's repeatable that you can keep doing until you die, basically. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you look at pilots, you look at surgeons. Yeah, yeah. Why they've done thousands and, you know... Why you trust them? Why do you trust them? By cu- trust them with cutting your body up or flying you 10,000, 50,000 feet in the air, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, in my days when I was uh, going offshore every almost every two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, MJ, uh, I usually try to get it a seat right behind the cockpit where I can, mm. in the helicopter, you, you can literally see the pilot because it's all the way through. <clears throat> they still, it always amazes me that whenever I see the process of them going through a checklist to start the helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 and I bring that analogy over to investing is because of the point you made about a systematic approach because mm. if you get that process right, it's boring. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. tedious. Oh, it's yeah. like, Gosh, I'm sure the pilots are. Oh, here we go again. Here we go again. Click, you click, know, click, 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 click. right? Fuel check, yeah. Uh, rotor check, right? But that is the one that ensures consistent success. I think. I think that's where that's where a lot of people get turned off, ironically, because of this repeatable process. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think this is the end of the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed our very first podcast. Yeah. Um, we shared with you what our story is, how we get started, why value investing, and you know, some myths as well. Correct. Uh, we're gonna, you know, definitely share more myths in the future and more about value investing, more about why you should invest, more about how to invest as well. Yep. Uh, but of course, you know, if you enjoyed this sound content, please follow us on, uh, well, first subscribe to the channel, notification bell. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook as well. We have a Telegram group. Please, you know, it's free. Join it. And, yeah. Uh, you know, sign up for our email list as well. You email know? list, the guidebook. Yeah, the guidebook. So yeah, see you guys, uh, you know, next podcast. Goodbye.